Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. I feel like it's been a minute since I've released an episode. This quarantine life has been different, Um, but life goes on, all right? Listen, I've got some fun stories to share with you guys. This last week was my birthday. I turned 33. 33. Um, Listen, I, my assistant asked me sneakily last week, or like a week ago, if you can get anything for your birthday, what would you want? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And I just kind of threw some ideas her way of just things that I'd have my eye on. And one of the things I had in my phone for over a year in my Safari app, yes, I still use the Safari browser, um, but I had a window open for over a year for this, the adamantium collection of the X-Men comic. It's a massive comic, right? That I didn't understand, but I knew I wanted it. I like the, just the story or whatever. So it's been on my phone for a year. So I just told her like, oh, I have this. I'm probably, gonna, I want to get that at some point. Whatever. I just kind of threw random ideas. On my birthday a few days ago, at the recording of this, um, she came over with a couple friends, presented this giant gift to me. I was like, what is this? And it was huge. It was like the size of a small suitcase. I was like, what is this? And I opened it, and it was the adamantium collection of the X-Men thing that I've been having on my phone that whole year. And I was like, what? And it was much bigger than I was expecting. Literally, this thing takes some heft to lift. It is heavy. And it's the size of like a moderately sized picture frame. You know what I mean? Like, it's big. It's not a normal sized comic book. I was shocked, giddy, my pitch was high for a while. I haven't been that like surprised and excited about a present in a long time. That was funny. And then I also did a Zoom birthday call party, which I've never done before. That was strange. Um, it was fun, though. It was beautiful. Um, and it was funny because, I don't know if you guys know this, I think I've talked about this before, but my counterpart in the Bethel video announcements, Natalie, she is a I think kindergarten or preschool teacher on the East Coast now. And she's doing a Spider-Man series with her kids to teach them lessons or whatever. So the call started and then Spider-Man was one of the frames. And literally the, the name for the frame was Spider-Man. I was like, oh, it's Spider-Man's joining us today. And I didn't know who they were for like the first 10 seconds. And then I realized, oh, of course it's Natalie. That was a fun surprise. But actually the Zoom call was really fun. It was a cool, heartfelt, fun, you know, recollection. I had people from all of phases of my life on that call. It was crazy. Uh, most phases of my life. And so it's a really interesting blend of people that I wouldn't be able to get into the same room. Normally, this quarantine thing has some silver linings for sure. Anyway, that was super fun. I had a really fun celebration. I felt very loved. Um, those of you guys who sent me messages for my birthday, thank you. I feel very honored to love. I'm still like trying to get back to everyone, but um, that was a super fun birthday. Really strange, but enjoyable. You guys, I've got a fun treat for you. We've got a special guest on today. He's been very patient and quiet this whole time. <laughs> um... But I want to introduce you guys to a man who, you know what, I, I, this whole episode I, I told him I want to interview you, I want to hear your story, I want you to share with the world, with my audience I guess, you know, how this happened, what was going on, so I don't want to give you guys any details, but this guy is a young, successful entrepreneur, a sp- spitfire, sparkly, <laughs> pretty boy, 
who has big dreams and... <laughs> I kept quiet for a good amount of time there. I, I did a good job of keeping quiet. Yeah, you guys, this really is hard. Bryant Ellis. Um, he is the captain of many ships and has lots of things going on in his world. I have a specific part of his journey I want us to hear about today, but... Um, before we get into that, Brian, you want to say hello? Yeah, thanks for that introduction, first of all. You're welcome. That was great. I, I feel like a spitfire sometimes. <laughs> I feel more like a ready fire aim. Right. Spitfire. Right. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I tried calling you on your birthday, but I, it was with a, my, I butt dialed you. Oh. I don't know if you had this call, but I literally, I pick up my phone and I was like, why am I on the phone with Mike? And it was Did like, I it went to voicemail. You probably oh, have a voicemail, okay, yeah. and I was dumpster diving during that time. So you probably hear me ruffling through the dumpster because, like, my PA threw something away in the dumpster, and I was looking for it. So I butt dialed you during the dumpster dive, and oh, I'm gonna. Have to and then I, I wish you a happy birthday when I realized it was talking to you. So. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I haven't yeah. checked my voicemails yet, so I have to look at that. Okay. That's funny. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm super totally. excited. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. I want. Can you just give them a brief little introduction? Like, if they don't know who you are, mm-hmm. what would you tell people? Who are you? Who is Brian Ellis? Um, well, I am an entrepreneur. I think the word entrepreneur holds a lot of different hats because I used to identify entrepreneur as businessman, and so creating businesses. But I think artists are also entrepreneurs because they have to learn how to sustain themselves and grow things to create income so they can pursue their art and musicians especially are very much entrepreneurs. So mm. I'd say entrepreneur for my job or what I do would be a good description. Okay. Um, but I'm an adventurer. I love doing fun, adventurous things. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I do like jumping out of planes though. It's more of a freedom junkie. Because there's like a feeling of freedom when you're falling through a plane. Isn't that what an adrenaline junkie would say? It's not. But see, a lot of people (laughs) like the adrenaline spike. Like when they, it's that fear of, I could die. Okay. And there's that like exhilaration that you feel. I never think, I never do anything if I think I'm going to die. So skydiving, I feel very safe. I've been trained. I went to school. I went to like a skydiving school. When I jump out of a plane, I'm not scared. I'm just enjoying the, the freedom of falling for a minute. So, <laughs> okay. yeah, I'd say that. Okay, nice. Now, listen, I wanted to start with the adventure challenge, and then okay. let's see where we go from there. Cool. You guys, I think I'm, I met Bryant because of his adventure ch- Well, I met you because of Jake, right? Mm-hmm. I met you at, because of roommates, but yeah. um, Bryant started a company. Let's start there. First mm-hmm. of all, how did the adventure challenge even start? What did this, like... How did it begin? What was it about? Well, no, no. Let's start with this. What is what is the adventure challenge? I realize they probably need the to know adventure that. challenge is a lifestyle brand that teaches people how to find adventure in everyday life. The product we sell is a scratch-off adventure book. And if you don't know what a scratch-off adventure book <laughs> is, because it didn't exist until this happened, it's a book filled with adventures, but you can't see any of the adventures because they're all covered with a lottery ticket scratcher material. And so you get with your friends, you pick a little box, you scratch it off, it tells you what adventure to go do. So, so it's something you're going to go do, it's not like something you're reading. Exactly. It's that okay. you, you go do okay. what the book tells right. you to go do. Nice. And then you take a Polaroid picture, and then you put it next to the adventure. So it's a little scrapbook Ooh. adventure key. That's what it is, in a simplified... Okay. I still haven't mastered my elevator pitch for Adventure Challenge yet, so... <laughs> just improv that, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. So... It's done pretty well. Mm-hmm. People have been really into this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how did this begin? 
Uh, you're you started this, right? Yeah. Can you tell us the origin? How did this? Yeah. Thing... So um, the very beginning was actually like I was doing second year of school of ministry. Um, no, I had just finished second year of school of ministry, and um, I was hanging out with some friends. And Reading's a small town, right? Like everybody kind of does the same stuff. We all go to the lake. We all have movie nights. We go to the bars. We whatever. Um, maybe not bars. <laughs> We're in ministry school, <laughs> but we go we go to cicadas and and drink water and non alcoholic drinks. Anyways, um, so but I was nineteen, so I couldn't go to bars. But I'm just saying, generally in Reading, people don't have much to do. So <laughs> I was hanging out with some friends, and we were all like, "What should we do?" And everyone's like, "I don't know." And we were all talking for two hours on what we should do. And I was coming up with all these ideas. I was like, we should go to Kids Kingdom and play The Floor is Lava with the playground equipment. Or we should go downtown and jump off the diesel horse bridge into the river. And like, I'm thinking of all these fun things to do. And they're like, no, no, no. I just get mad and leave. Because I just was so bored of everybody sitting around and talking about what they wanted to do or what we could do. I just left. Went to Daylight, not Daylight Donuts, went to Heavenly Donuts, downtown Reading. It was two in the morning. And... I was on my motorcycle. I had a motorcycle back then. And I'm eating a donut, and I'm talking to the Lord. I was like, God, I'm so sick of hanging out with community and doing the exact same thing over and over again, and I need new friends. Is what I told myself. I need new friends who are adventurous, who understand me, who want to have fun and don't want to just play stupid Settlers of Catan every time we get together. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of Settlers of Catan. Really bad ADD. It's hard for me to focus on a board for five hours. (laughs) So I'm in the I'm, I'm sitting in the parking lot eating my donut by myself, and I just thought, oh, there should be a game where you draw a piece of paper out of a hat, and it tells you what adventure to do, and you have to go do whatever it says. So there's no take backs. So maybe everyone writes their idea down, puts it in a hat, you draw one, you have to do the adventure. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Or it could be maybe a book, and you write all the ideas in the book, and then you flip through the pages with your eyes closed, you open it up, you pick an adventure, and you have to go do whichever one your finger lands on, or something like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the full concept. It was just an idea. And so I was super excited. I went back to my house and told my housemates. I was like, guys, I have a great idea. It's called the Adventure Club. We'll get together every week. Everyone will put ideas in a hat or a box or a book, and we'll randomly pick one, and we'll have to go do that adventure. And we'll have t-shirts that we call the Adventure Club. And we'll have a Facebook group. And it'll be awesome. And my roommate was like, this sounds like a cult. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, I was 19. I was very impressionable. impressionable. I was very insecure. I was a little more shy. And so they all kind of just made fun of the idea. And they were like, oh, you're Adventure Cult. This is a great. So I, I really just kind of swept it under the rug. I didn't do anything with it. But it always stuck in my head, especially because my roommates never let me forget the adventure cult that I wanted to create. (laughs) And so years passed, five years had passed, and I was doing actually um, Bethel Conservatory of the Arts, the acting school. So I was in the acting school full time, and I was really stressed out. It was a really stressful season. There was a lot of homework, a lot of things going on, and I was just spending time with the Lord in prayer and was not praying about anything. I was just spending time with him. And then all of a sudden, I, I remembered him showing me a picture and saying, hey, remember your adventure club? And I was like, oh, yeah. Hello, little friend, adventure, adventure club cult. What are you doing in my thought life? And I saw 
a picture um, of the book open and this lottery ticket scratch material go over each adventure. And I was like, oh my God, that's a great idea. That's how you hide the adventures so people don't know what they're getting into. And I, I just typed it in my phone, adventure book with scratcher material over it. I still have it in my phone, just that note I wrote in my, in my phone. And the next day I went to school and during one of the breaks I was talking to one of my classmates and I said, yeah, I had this idea the other day. Wait, when you Googled it, did you find anything? No, 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 it didn't exist. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it didn't exist. Okay. I, I Googled forever looking for something that matched this and nothing remotely existed, mm. which surprised me because it's rare. You know, you get an, sometimes you get good ideas, you Google it and you're like, it already exists. Mm. This didn't. And so I told my friend about it and she was like, that sounds like a great idea. You should actually do that. I think it would actually blow up. And her telling me that actually stuck into my brain because I was kind of expecting her to make fun of it like my friends did before. Mm. And so that's how I got the idea. If that answers your question, yeah, I don't want to go on too no, much more. I, I want to hear it. This is idea. great. Keep yeah. going. Okay. So yeah, essentially that's how I got the idea. I was very busy with, with acting school. It was 40 hours a week in class and then 10, 20 hours a week of homework. Wow. And then on the side, I was volunteering for their media department. So I was making their promo videos and posting to Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. So my, I was oversaturated with work. And it wasn't until spring break of school when I, uh, I got fired from my job that I had had for like three years. I was a building inspector. So I got all these lists of buildings and I would drive to Chico and uh, Tahoe and I would just inspect buildings. And it was a great paying job, especially for somebody aspiring to be an actor because you could do it on your own time. It made good money. And I figured I would work that job until I was making money as an actor. So I got fired out of the blue and it just destroyed me because it was such a large part of like my provision and my plan to pursue art and to sustain myself and I was always someone who was like if you want to be an artist you need to figure out a way to sustain yourself while you're pursuing the success of that because if you're just hoping to get famous someday and make money then you're just setting yourself up for failure so when I lost that I instantly went into entrepreneur mode. I was like, I have to make another company. I need to make something that I can build up really quick and then hire some students to take over and then it makes me passive income so I can go back to pursuing acting. So my goal was to build a real estate photography company in Reading because there wasn't much competition. I think there was like one or two people doing it at the time. It was None of them were really great. And so I was like, I could do better and I could make this. And so I took my credit card, I went to Best Buy and I started just loading a shopping cart of all of this like photography gear and tripods and things like that. And I, I come to um, this shelf with Polaroid cameras and Polaroid cameras were part of the vision I saw. I saw like actually taking pictures. Okay. I forgot to add that in there. But I saw, I saw a Polaroid camera sitting on the shelf for 70 bucks and I heard the Holy Spirit say, put everything back, buy that camera and build your book. And it was such a strong conviction when I heard that. It was... When you say you heard it, what, did, what was that experience like? I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, you know, it wasn't like booming through Best Buy, but it was... It was like an inspired thought? Was it a yeah, feeling? It was... was it... I, I heard it in my body. Okay. Like, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was strong enough to where it didn't make sense to buy this toy and build this because I didn't have any grid for scaling a product. So mm-hmm. I didn't... In my head, the book would have been an idea to take as a public speaker and be like, hey, 
this is a cool product I made. I didn't understand e-commerce even mm -hmm. or how you could take an idea and blow it up all over the world. So, but there was something so convicting in that moment. I put everything back on the shelf. I grabbed that camera, went to the checkout, paid 70 bucks for it, went um, to Hobby Lobby right afterwards, bought a little notebook and um, some Polaroid picture holder like containers. And I went home and I like made a video and I was like, hey guys, my name is Brian. I'm making a scratch off adventure book. This is the day one of creation. And I felt like Holy Spirit said, you need to film it as if it's going to be a multi-million dollar company because people are going to want to see the journey in the future. So I have this all on video of the first day of me recording the book and going like, so I'm going to cut these squares up and I'm going to glue them onto the notebook. And then, and like I stayed up till three in the morning, like ordering scratcher material. And that's how it started. I just started making a prototype and um, ended up finding a friend at BCA who I was like, hey, I heard you published a book before. I don't know what I'm doing with this. Could you help me, you know, even help me with the copy or formatting it so I can put the words in the book? Um, her name is Emily Bartell. Huge shout out to her because I couldn't pay her at all. She literally just on a whim decided to help me out with this whole thing. Hmm. Without her, it wouldn't have happened. Um, and so, yeah, we literally just worked on those prototypes for probably two months and they were just really crappy prototypes, and um, uh, BCA had ended, and we were going into the summer, and so I spent just full time building these prototypes, and I kind of created this obsession in my head because it was like every day the Lord started speaking to me about what he was going to do with this book. And as entrepreneurs, and I'm sure as you felt, when you get an idea, it's easy to kind of become obsessed with it and to create like a world domination plan with it. It's hard to take an idea and go, yeah, this will create some income. This could be a good business. It's like, we're going to fulfill all of my dreams with this idea. <laughs> we're going to take over the world with this idea. Yeah. And I heard the Lord say, Brian, this is going to be a multi-million dollar company. You're going to have a group of, you're going to have a team of employees. You're going to have your dream building. You're going to have this. And it was it was one of those things where I was hearing all this stuff and I thought it was my brain just trying to keep me sane because I was spending so much time on this idea. I didn't, there was part of me that believed it was the Lord, but it was too good to be true, mm. the stuff he was saying. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know how much, how much detail you want me to get into. It oh, I have some questions. Okay, this cool. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's fa so you're telling me that part, part of this idea took off because of a vision you had yeah mm -hmm. like you were it sounds like you're saying you were divinely inspired mm -hmm. is that true oh 100 percent. yeah fascinating mm -hmm. so i have a couple questions about that mm -hmm. i want to just kind of pit stop there for a second yeah so my one question is from your experience and your perspective and having been on this journey why you why did this idea come to you you think okay that's a good question because I have an answer for that. Right. I actually have an answer for that. Um, I don't think it was just me. When he gave me the idea, I remember I was going to bed one night and I was thinking about the idea and I was like, man, I really need to get the ball rolling on this. And I was feeling a bit of procrastination on some of the, 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 the projects. And 
I felt like the Lord said, hey, Brian, I've actually given this idea to a lot of people. I'm just waiting to see who takes advantage of it. And then I saw a picture of him just dropping these books over the world and all of these books like scattering around the globe. And he was like, I'm just waiting to see who takes advantage of it. And so that put a fire under my butt, especially because I think Holy Spirit's always giving us ideas. Or he's always releasing ideas. He's just, he's waiting to see who's actually going to take the ideas and run with them. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I feel like I've had lots of ideas that I could have taken and grown and built, but it, it was just this one that I really took advantage of and went after. And so, and not all ideas that I've had, you know, I've had a lot of ideas that have failed, but all of those have really kind of set me up to really take advantage of this idea and mm-hmm. make it successful. Mm-hmm. So, um, does that answer your question? I think so. Okay. That makes making me have more questions. Yeah. Another question I have in the same original line of thought was, why did you, like the moment at Best Buy, for example, but it's not just that moment. You mentioned a few different moments like this, but in that moment, for example, why did you respond to that? What was, because I'm sure you probably had experiences like that other times, or was this like a very unique once in a lifetime kind of an experience for you? Was it obvious? I mean, I've had lots of ideas, but this one was the loudest in the sense it made the most noise. Like I, I have, I remember the moments where the Lord was saying, this is a golden ticket idea. Oh, he said, this is a lottery ticket idea. And so, yeah, I don't know. It was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) Maybe not. I'm not sure. I have another question though. So when you were going to do the real estate photography business Mm -hmm. and you just went with the credit card to go buy all this stuff, Mm -hmm. was there a part of you that was like, what if this doesn't work and I can't afford to pay for all this? Oh yeah. So tell me about that. I want to hear your thought process. So the, the financial aspect of this was I had maybe a thousand dollars in savings when, and I was on a journey of paying off my credit cards while I was working for the property inspection company and I had paid off like 10 grand and I only had like three left to go. So getting fired, it like put a break on that. But not only that, I had to start using credit cards to live and I maxed out two credit cards I had and it was like, well, I need to go get a job. And I felt like the Lord was like, ask for money. So I made a whole video, a GoFundMe video, and I sent it to 50 different business owners, entrepreneurs, my rich friends, quote unquote, you know, like, and wait for what, what was the GoFundMe for? To get money so I could live to pursue this idea. It was for you as a person. Yeah. It was for me as a person. (laughs) Go fund me. Go fund me. It was literally go fund me. In in the video, I was like, I I dressed up in a suit and I was like, hey guys, I'm Brian Ellis. I have an idea for a book. Here it is. It's my janky prototype. I need money so I can live to make this book a reality. And out of those 50 people, three people responded. One person sent me a hundred bucks, one person sent me 250, and my grandma sent me 60 bucks. Are we good? Okay, cool. And my grandma sent me 60 bucks. So, and that's it. And that was, and then I was like, God, I can't live off this. This isn't enough to live off. It's, you know, like 400 bucks. And he's, I, this might be a little controversial, but I'm going to say, I felt like he said, take out more credit cards. And I grew up in a very Dave Ramsey home. Dave Ramsey's about to punch you. <laughs> yeah, in the throat I know. Right <laughs> I grew up in a very. My parents grew up drowning in debt, yeah. so they were very anti-debt. They like, yeah. never used debt. Right. You know, the borrower was slave to the lender. Don't right, right. And, and and so I and I you know grew up reading 
which is man in Babylon, you know, when they talk about the evils of dead. And so I was like, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to listen. And I felt like he said again, take out credit cards. And he said, Brian, who are you borrowing this money from? It's like, well, Chase Bank. He said, no, you'd be borrowing it from me. He said, I am the master of all the money. And he said, if you take out these credit cards, you'll pay them off faster than you rack up the bills. And so I called my dad because, you know, you hear the voice of the Lord and you need accountability because at that moment, I'm like, this goes against a lot of what I've believed as a child. I'm going to call the biggest advocate for hating against credit cards, my father. So I call him and I'm like, dad, this is what I thought. Why did you call him? Didn't you think that he was going to tell you not to do it? Yeah. Well, I needed a voice to bring me back to reality. And I thought if anybody's going to do that, it's going to be my dad. And I don't have access to Dave Ramsey. So, (laughs) you know, and I could tell any of my friends this and they'd be like, just go for it. You know? So I wanted, I wanted wisdom to speak into the situation. So I called my dad. I told him what I felt like he said. And my dad said, I think you should go for it. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was surprised because my dad's telling me to take out credit cards. And then I felt like the Lord said, what do you have to lose? (laughs) Dude, you're already broke. Yeah, I'm broke. (laughs) And I'm like, what happens? I go bankrupt and I'm a single guy with no kids. I end up moving back into my parents. Like, whoop-de-doo. Like, I had nothing to lose. And I was like, cool. So I went to Chase, sat down, applied for a credit card. They gave me a $7,000 limit, which is fantastic. Maxed it out in... Three weeks. On what? On supplies to make the prototypes, paying rent, gas for my car. Like, it was just all of the stuff that I I had to pay people for the copywriting, for the book. It was just a lot. But I maxed it out. Took out another card. Maxed it out. Got a letter in the mail for these credit cards checks. Tried to cash those. Got flagged for fraud because I was behind on my credit card payments. Used another credit card to pay off the other credit cards took cash out of one credit card to pay my landlord and racked up uh, a whole whole bunch of debt. I racked up uh, $25,000 of credit card debt. In how much time? About, uh, total about seven months. Oh, wow. About seven months, about 25 grand. This is the debt. beginning of you trying to get the book going. This is, yeah, this is me okay. making the prototypes. Paying your life and getting the thing going. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so 25 grand. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Shoot. Okay, so... Then Adventure Challenge kind of began somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Or Wait, wait, what are you asking? Was there like a day that you're like, this is a thing? Versus this is, this is an idea I want to do to, oh my gosh, this is happening. Was there a moment where that became like a reality for you? Like when it started succeeding? What In your book. I mean, whenever, whatever success was like for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, is there a moment that I you're mean, like, oh my God, this is working? Yeah. I mean, I started a, uh, a Kickstarter for it and it failed. Okay. I got like three grand. My goal was ten grand, and it failed. Um, Does that mean all the money got sent back to the people that put it in? Yeah. Okay. So I got none of the money. Okay. But as soon as it failed, the fires hit Reading. We had car fire. Oh. Wow. So I left Reading for two weeks, and I was really depressed because my Kickstarter had failed. I had no money. I was drowning in credit card debt. I ended up. Somebody sent me like I think my parents ended up sending me like a thousand dollars or something from the car fire, so I had to live off that, and I was like super excited about living off that thousand dollars. But I didn't really feel like this is a thing until I got my first investor and we started pursuing it together. Um, Okay, tell us about that moment. Yeah, so basically we (laughs) rocked. I I made a deal with the Lord, and I said I'm going to um, I'm going to get a job. Because I can't keep racking up credit card debt, and they're starting to call me, so I, I can't. My credit card, my credit score is dropping, so I can't even get new credit cards. And he said, "Just wait 
30 more days. And I was like, okay, I'm wait 30 days, but God, on the 30th day, wait, are you getting this in English or how are you getting this? Well, it's just in my, it's in, it's just in my head. It's I like just, intuition. It's, yeah. It's just what I, it's in the dialogue I'm having with Holy Spirit. This is what I hear. I feel like he says, just wait 30 more Have days. Have you always had this kind of dialogue with God your whole life? Or did as far start? as I can remember. Yeah. It's always. Okay. Sorry. Like that, yeah. 30 days. Okay. I was like, all right, 30 days. So as the days are leading up, I'm getting further, further in debt. Credit card collectors <laughs> are calling me and I'm like, this is it. I'm going to go bankrupt. Um, on the 30th day, what, shut up. No, yeah. The 11th hour? Well, yeah, no, well, here, no, here's what happened. On the 30th day, I made the decision to go get a job. Oh, okay. So I'm putting my pants on. I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit. I put my pants on to go get a job. I'm buttoning my pants, Holy Spirit. And I'm like having this dialogue. My roommates are sitting in the room watching me. Just like. T- are you talk. saying it out loud? I'm saying it out loud. I'm literally tell- so talking to Holy Spirit. you're kind of crazy. I, I thought I was crazy because it was this <laughs> This voice was telling me all these things, and I'm like, you better prove it to me. I'm about to go get a job. And so I'm, and my idea was I'm going to go work at an RV sales shop because I'm going to go sell RVs. It'll be on the outskirts of Reading, so nobody will know that I'm working another job. I won't be embarrassed <laughs> by this failure. And I'm trying to, like, get psyched up, and I'm, like, putting on my pants, and I get in my car, and I'm like, oh, my Holy Spirit, I'm driving to the RV center. And I get on the highway, and as I'm, I'm going, I felt like he said, pull over to the side of the road, call your friend Ben Day, and ask him for a job. And so I did that. I pulled over, called Ben. Hey, Ben, what you doing? He's like, hey, I'm at Medane's, chilling. I was like, all right, I'm going to come hang out with you for a bit. So I drive to Medane's. I said, listen, my book's not working. I need income, like, right now. So how about I work for you for a year, and you pay me money, and then I'm going to use that money to siphon into my company and start that. So I don't have really a passion to work for you. What was he doing? He, he had a company in debt relief. Oh, okay. So I, I have a, a lot of experience with sales and very good at it. So in debt, it, in debt. <laughs> actually, yeah. So it was, yeah. So he, but you know, he knew I had a good sales experience and he was looking for new salespeople for his, okay. his company. So you're like on the phone? Uh, no, I was with him. I drove uh, oh. to Medanes to meet him. No, so I mean the job was you calling people for debt relief? Exactly. Okay. Got yeah. It. it was a phone job. Okay. It was awful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was like, cool, sounds good. Come work for me for a year, save up money, start your company. I love it. So I go and like the first day I get to the office and I'm just like, I hate my life. I don't want to do this. And this is a mistake. This is a huge mistake. <laughs> but I saw where the Holy Spirit, I, I, I look back now and I see Holy Spirit led me right into the perfect trap. Because <laughs> I get there and at that time I had these different investors from around Reading calling me to invest they were calling me and saying hey i saw your book idea on kickstarter like later than you wanted them to yeah later just coming late yeah late and so i was i remember being at ben's office and investors were calling me and saying hey like let's set up a meeting and talk about potentially investing into this company and i was like oh my gosh i'm telling ben these investors want to invest and he's he's like sitting there just like dang i kind of want to get involved in this and I didn't know he was thinking that oh. but now I know now he told me right, he's right. like yeah I was getting a little little jealous because you know all these people reaching out to you wanting to invest in your book and it felt like and so I, I, I met with um, several different investors but one in particular I remember meeting with and none of them felt like a good fit I'll just leave it at that <laughs> none of them it, it, it never felt like a good fit and I wanted to be able to have ownership of something to where I controlled 
how it grew, what it looked like, what the culture looked like, what we developed into. I didn't want a bunch of adults telling me what they think I should be doing for it. And every investor I met with, it felt like that. Mm. They were like, well, what's your business plan? Well, and they, which is a valid question to ask when you're going to invest in something. But I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to sell books. So like, I was just such a kid. I was like, I don't have your formula, but I know it's going to work. Jesus told me so. And they didn't like those answers, but they still <laughs> wanted to invest because they, they liked the idea. And so they, but I, so I remember I got an offer. I went back to Ben's office and I was like, yeah, I got an offer and I don't feel good about it, but I told him yes, because I am so done not letting this thing be a thing. I don't want to keep working for you. So I took the offer. I gave him a verbal commitment. I said, yeah, I'll do it. And he was just like, dang, well, yeah, okay, cool. And I remember this, um, Ben's assistant at the time, her name is Suzanne, and she came up and said, Brian, it doesn't sound like you want to go with these investors. I said, well, it's the only option I have. Like, I don't have a ton of people throwing money at me, so I don't know what else to do. And she said, if you could have your dream team, would these investors be on it? And I said, honestly, no. I have a list of people I'd want to be on my team. She goes, I think you should hold out for your dream team. And As in dream investors or people you'd be working with? Both. Okay. Just dream people to be part of the board to make this a reality. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the words sound good coming out of your mouth, but it's not realistic Suzanne, nobody's offering me my dream team right now, and I'm broke, and I'm working for a credit card consolidation company, and I'm about to use the services I'm selling. And she was like, all right, I just feel like you're supposed to wait. And I felt Holy Spirit said, she's right. And this whole thing, I know, it's going to sound Was there crazy. any part of you that felt guilty having a job when the Lord told you to wait? Or you felt no, like but he, I felt like he told me to call Ben. Okay. So right, I felt right. like it was oh, okay. part, of, Got it. part of the experience. Got it. Exactly. Sorry. So I ended up talking to Ben and I showed Ben some statistics I had on Kickstarter for how it was converting and it wasn't accurate and I didn't know that, but I was showing him numbers that were inaccurate. It, it, it was. It looked like the product was scalable based on the conversion rate on the Kickstarter page, okay. and he saw that and got super excited and was like, "Oh my god, that's so scalable! If you just dump money into that, it'll molt." And I looked at it and I'm like, "Sure, yeah." And he's like, "What if I invested and I gave you, I'm not gonna say the number, but umpteen thousand dollars for thirty percent of your company?" And in my head, I'm like, yeah, sounds great. (laughs) But I was like, let me think about it. Let me pray about this and and see if this is something. So I went, prayed about it. I felt really good. And so I drew up a contract and we met at his place. And I said, yeah, I'll do exactly what you mentioned. I'm 10,000 for 30% of the company. And he signed it and we were business partners. Um, What would you tell the other investor? I sent him a text and I was like, hey, I'm going to move a different direction. Oh, okay. Thanks for the offer. And I really do appreciate their offer, you know, but it just, I just sent a text, you know, there's no big deal. Um, and so, yeah, that's literally how it started with that. Uh, ben was running his, um, his company. I was going to run this company and he was going to give me advice on the side, but adventure challenge started to grow in the sense, like we started to get busy with like making ads and trying to make them, you know, go viral on Facebook and Instagram and Facebook and all these different things. And, and Ben has extensive experience with marketing. He's very good at marketing. I had never done Facebook or Instagram ads before in my head. They were a scam. 
Because every time a sponsored link came up, I thought, oh, it's a scam. I'm not going to buy that. So I had never in my life clicked on an Instagram or Facebook ad. Why did you think they were scams? I thought they were like robots or people in China like <laughs> trying to get you to buy fake stuff. I don't know. I just never – e-commerce like didn't exist in that sense. Like how – I don't know why. It was yeah. just – like now my, my world revolves around e-commerce. I never shop in stores. I only purchase things off e-commerce and – my whole business is structured around e-commerce. And so he, Ben goes, hey, I think we should throw some money on Facebook and Instagram ads to try to boost this. And I'm like, Ben, no, they're a scam. He's like, they're not a scam, Brian. There's a, there's a formula behind the ads. You put money into it and then it converts. And, and, and I'm like, oh my, I'm like, this idiot. I'm like, he's trying to waste my money. He's so bad at marketing. And I remember thinking just so, and, and that, I remember sitting on his couch he said, Brian, I think we should put $300 in ads. And I'm like, oh, 300 bucks. Where does this guy? And Holy Spirit said, trust him with the $300. And I go, okay, take the $300, put it in the ads. We'll see what happens. So I go out, I make a promo with my iPhone, edit it on iMovie, chop it up, give it to him. He puts $300 of ads into Facebook. And the next day we made... $300 in sales, which is the most we had ever made in a day. And I was like, whoa, $300, look at this, yeah, which obviously that's no return, you know, on 300 The next day we made $600 on that $300 ad spend. The next day we made $900, $900, $900, $1,000, $1,000. And it started just to slowly trickle up. And making an extremely long story short, it took off from there. How long before when you did your first ad to taking off, whatever that definition is? Our first ad was October. And this is back in what year? 2018? 2000 and Such a baby o- company. That's crazy. October of 2018, okay. we did our first ads. Yeah. Um, September, the month before, is when we started the LLC. So it was like a month later, we did our first ad. And then for Christmas, the month of Christmas, we sold. worth of product, which in my mind, I was just such a gangster. I was like, 20 grand in one month, dude, I'm rolling thick with this. And I I felt, I remember, I just remember just walking into like coffee shop, just feeling like such a, like such an entrepreneur. And and so we made 20 grand for Christmas and, but we were fulfilling all of ourselves. We were like packaging all the books. So it was a nightmare. We were spending 18, 20 hour days at the office, packaging books, tweaking ads, answering emails. And it wasn't until, so we were like, well, sales are really good right now, but they're not going to really take off until, um, well, sales are really good right now, but they're going to die once Christmas ends because this is the holiday to buy stuff. And we didn't realize that Valentine's Day was a huge market for us because of our couple's book. And so as soon as Christmas ended, that week, we hardly made any sales, but then right after that, it started to go up and get even higher. And I think for Valentine's month, we made like 300 grand in that month. So we went from 20 grand to 300 grand. In two months. In two months. Oh, that's and that's, that's when it was like, that's when it felt real. That's when, <laughs> that's when I remember being at the office and writing down my dream team, writing down names. I wanted to hire this person, hire this person. We wrote down 10 names, and the next month, we hired all 10 of them full time. And that was terrifying because I never had an employee. 
<laughs> Never had any. How old were you when this was happening? This, this is 20... This is 2019. This is last year. Literally last year, yeah. So it was, yeah. So I had, we hired all these people, and we hired, like, people were leaving their jobs to come work for Adventure Challenge. Right. That was only alive for a couple of months. And people were leaving really good, high-paying jobs to come work for us. And it was horrifying because we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> and you know it was I was going through a lot of anxiety depression and that's when I actually met you because I was going through that crazy I actually met you probably in the month after February so March I think I met you around March mm. when it just started to blow up um, so yeah that's kind of when it started to take off okay so it was around February of last year that you're like, yeah, this is, this is next level. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. Different that, that's when we realized it was going to turn into a, its thing. Okay. Nice. That's awesome, dude. That's mm-hmm. so exciting. I love that. So from February of last year to, I guess, somewhere around now-ish, mm-hmm. what, was, what has the growth been like for, you, for the company, but also for you as, you know, captain of the ship? Yeah. Any thoughts on like what that journey has been like? Wait, which question first? Um, do the okay. Adventure Challenge hit three hundred thousand in a mm-hmm. month. Yeah, in February of mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. right? You guys have continued to grow since then. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. W- was there a next big swell, or just to continue to grow? Con- like- yeah, well, after Valentine's Day, we had the whole thing. Oh, well, after Valentine's Day, I hope we still have sales. And I was afraid we we're gonna have to start firing people as soon as the holiday was over. Okay, interesting. But we, um, the next month, we doubled to six hundred a month in March. Mm, maybe 400 in March. Okay. 400 in March. Yeah, we had our first half million month, I think, in maybe in summer. And then it started to go, it started to just to keep going. Every month we had growth, basically. And um, the first full year of business, we did six, seven million in sales together. Um, and this year we're on track to do 30, 40 million in sales. <laughs> so it, it more than. 10x and right. you know, just grew like crazy. So that was exciting, the growth phase of that. And now we have, I think, 23, 24 employees. Um, and yeah, it's, it's we haven't really reached our limit because we have so many other ideas and things we're releasing. And it, it just it just feels like it's one of those things that every... It's like something my, my business partner, the analogy he used one time, and I love it, um, is like starting... Entrepreneurship is like starting a fire. Like at the very beginning, you know, you have like your kindling and you're rubbing sticks together and you're getting your logs and you have to make sure everything is just right and you're blowing on it smoothly to just get that little bit of smoke. But once it catches and it starts to get hot, all you have to do is throw logs on it and it just gets bigger and bigger. And then you get gasoline and you throw it on. And that's, it's felt for the last year or so, it's felt like we're just throwing logs on it. And it's been more of the fun journey of the phase. The the year, year and a half beforehand was just miserable because it was the, the kindling and the building and the 20-hour work days and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a little bit more fun now. Yeah. Growing. <laughs> right. Nice. So now being the boss, mm-hmm. going from I'm broke, mm-hmm. I need money to, oh my gosh, I'm running this company. Yeah. And the, the time frame for that was so compressed, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? It seems like it was such a short yeah. time for you to change identity so quickly in terms mm-hmm. of your role within an yep. organization. Mm-hmm. What was that? I imagine that's a mind job. What was that like for you? Which aspect of it? Whichever aspect you care to share. Um, uh, maybe as a leader mm-hmm. or boss, mm-hmm. um, 
as a person, mm-hmm. as a young man coming into his, you know, adult life, like figuring yeah. out what he's doing in the world, you know? like Yeah, I think it was such a, dr- a fast, drastic change in life. I don't remember how life felt before it. Because of the experience, there was some trauma mixed in with it, and there was a lot of just really hard stuff that comes with something exploding so fast. Like, everybody sees the exciting stuff, and they're like, you're making money, you're the company. And that, there's good things, but it comes with a lot of stuff you have to deal with. Mm. And I didn't know how to deal with that stuff. And so it just resorted in just like deep depression and anxiety. Um, and so um, the money aspect was great. I paid off the credit cards faster than I racked them up, as Holy Spirit promised. I remember making a phone call and paying them all off in one day. Wow. And that was an exciting moment. One of the uh, one of the ladies who works for me made me a debt-free cake out of the office. Oh, it was that's like, awesome. So that was a really exciting moment. <laughs> um, but I had already felt really lonely because me and Ben had kind of segregated ourselves from everybody else to build this thing. And what do you mean by everybody else? Meaning, we it became our obsession. So we. Did, so you mean like your your community, your social life? Yeah, our okay. social life was non-existent. Okay. It yeah. was it was me and Ben. We did everything together. We eat out together. We work together. We, and, so we didn't really have any people speaking into our lives. For all of a sudden, now we have employees, and now we get to learn what it's like to be a leader where we're responsible for people's salaries, and it's not just like. A church setting where you're just like, oh, I believe the best about you. It's like, man, you're paying my bills. Like, if I have a problem, it's you're gonna know about it, or all of all of the other employees are gonna know about it. We're gonna all talk, you know. So there's, <laughs> we started realizing there's diff, all the different problems that came with being managers and, and being leaders, and and we didn't have really anybody in our lives to talk to about it or to ask questions about it. So it felt really lonely for a season for sure because. It was just me and Ben, and we're trying to reinvent the wheel of leadership at times when there's so many resources and different individuals who could have supported and helped us. But because of that season, we were very segregated. I was also very sick because of the anxiety, so I didn't have a lot of capacity to meet new people. Um, and to, I remember I was so sick during that season, I couldn't even like go to coffee shops because even the scent of coffee would make me want to throw up. And so... There were different there were different leaders who would reach out and be like, "Hey, I heard this amazing thing's happening. I'd love to meet with you and talk." And I couldn't meet with them because I was too sick. And even meeting with you, I remember you. I was like, "Hey, you're gonna have to come to my office if we want to meet because I'm gonna vomit if I have to leave my little bubble of security." Right. Because that's how bad all the anxiety was. So, okay, hang on. Let me chime in yeah. on that. Um, so, my assistant back then ended up working for Brian. Yeah. As his assistant. So we kind of shared assistants. Oh, we did. We shared assistants. But just how season. he ended up coming into my frame of, like, of reference. She was, we were chatting one day and she's like, Mike, I think you need to talk to Brian. I think you can help him. And blah, blah. I was like, what? No. And I was, I was, you know, my end of the story is I was drowning in people that I was mentoring or whatever. I was like, I cannot handle another person. Why are you saying this to me? No. And I could hear her like sharing her thoughts about working for you and things that she would see and things she had compassion for or whatever. And at one point I was like, hey, can you please stop talking about him? I... I can feel stuff opening in the spirit. I am not interested in saying yes to that. So mm-hmm. let's change the subject. She's like, okay, well, for the record, I think that you have something for him and I think you should help him. And I was like, great. Noted. Thank you. Moving <laughs> on. And then like a month later, I was like, oh God, tell him that I'll, I'll meet with him once or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. just like trying to like, I didn't want to say yes to another. It wasn't about mm-hmm. you. It was like my capacity as well. I get it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, I could feel this thing pulling. I was like, okay, I'll meet with him. And then I remember her being like, yeah, can you come to him? I'm like, what? 
Okay, I can do that. Sure. I'm like surprised that I'm driving to this person's office out in the outskirts of Reading. I'm like, what am I doing here? And I came. It's almost like I went through the like the den of like a pride of lions. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why am I here right now? And yeah. I had to go through the maze of the Adventure Challenge to the yep. back office where mm-hmm. you were in your, mm-hmm. your cave. You know, I'm like, okay, yep. here we are. I remember that. Those crazy season. Carry on. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was super dark. It was. That was, and I, I, I'm super grateful for that, and that was the only way I feel like I could have been reached at that time. I just would have stayed secluded and stayed in that little bubble because I just felt so sick and so hopeless um, in that time. And I think it made me feel more hopeless because everything was succeeding, and all of my entrepreneur friends were so excited. So it felt like everybody was more excited about the success than I was. Because I'm like, my external world, everything's prospering. My internal world is, I don't know how long I'm going to be alive. And it got that drastic to where I was like, I don't see a future with me being alive. And I wasn't suicidal, but I just, my body was shutting down. I was getting sick. Um, I was in a relationship that I really enjoyed. And I had to break that off because that was even adding more anxiety and stress to my life. And so I felt so lonely. And, you know, it's one of those things where we hired so many amazing people and, but even I couldn't necessarily share with them the struggles I was going with because they were my employees and I had to have somewhat of a healthy, um, uh, balance, you know, in, in boundaries with them. And so it was just me and Ben and, you know, so it was just one of those things where it was just a really crappy season. Um, I'm no longer in that season, which I'm really happy to. Uh, making a very long story shorter, but you know, it, it that was probably the worst part of the whole the whole journey was being in that funk of depression and anxiety and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Totally. Thank you for sharing. I yeah. remember that being very painful mm-hmm. and shocking and strange to have to navigate. And yeah, yeah. that's crazy. I'm curious for the, whoever is listening to this um, when it comes to following an idea. Or yeah. like pursuing a dream, or even listening to the voice of the Lord mm-hmm. when it doesn't make sense, or you know you're not sure if it's Him or whatever. Yeah. In that vein, mm-hmm. any advice for people? Yeah. What would you tell them? I'd say your you should be your biggest priority, and not the idea. The idea should come second to your health, your mental health, your Ooh. spiritual state of being, your what you're putting into your body. I think <laughs> because of how busy you get, it's just like oh McDonald's. Oh, I'm going to eat this. Oh, I'm going to eat that. And, or, or I'm not going to eat because I'm so, whatever, I'm just going to push just through. Just eating adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't take care of myself. Mm. And I didn't get good sleep. I didn't surround myself with people who could speak into my life. I didn't surround myself with community. I remember thinking game nights or hanging out with people was such a waste of time. So I was like, what I'm building is going to take over the world. I don't need to play your peasant games. <laughs> like, it really was this attitude of like, I don't need anything besides what I'm building. And the ideas I'm building now, I'm giving myself time limits. I'm giving myself deadlines. I'm giving myself, if I I don't have it done by this time, I'm taking a break. Mm. I'm giving myself planned vacations. I'm I'm, I'm intentionally pursuing community, pursuing leaders, pursuing people to mentor. Um, So I'm, I'm just creating a more healthy dynamic for me to thrive because an idea, even at its most successful point, is not worth your life, is not worth your health, is yeah. not worth your peace. Good. And so that's what I would say. And I, I know it's, it's, it's hard to think that when it's not successful because you think you have to give all of yourself mm. in order for it to succeed. But I'm like, 
giving all of your stock is going to come out of price and you're not going to like what it costs. And so that's what I would say to anyone going after an idea. Let me say to that. So someone, let's say they're listening to you and they're like, okay, well, if you didn't give yourself to the degree that you did Mm -hmm. and you change it to what you're advising now, do you think Adventure Challenge would still hit the success? I think so. Yeah. I think that there is a season where you have to commit a larger portion of your time to something. So I'm not opposed to 18, 20 hour work days for a time, but you have to have a plan to get out of that and you have to have a plan to while you're in that, how you're keeping yourself healthy. Because for me, it was just, I'm a victim to my circumstances or whatever comes my way. It wasn't being powerful and saying, oh, well, this problem happened. I'm actually going to take a break. I'm going to spend some time for me and then I'm going to come back and approach this problem. So it was like one problem stacked on top of the other and I became a mess. I actually became less productive the, the um, maybe three months before it took off. You know, what I could have done in three hours from a rested state was taking me five to eight hours mm. in a stressed out, depressed state. Mm. So I definitely think it would have been become successful. I think it was a lot of lies I was kind of believing that was making me think I have to sacrifice everything to make this exist. And I don't think that's what God wants for us. I don't think he wants us to, you know, sacrifice our well-being and everything in order to make this idea work. And I I think there was a healthier way I could have gone about it that would have been a lot better. And that's probably the only thing I would change if I went back in time is actually just restructure that a little bit different. But I do believe there is a season where you you have to put in and sacrifice a lot in order to get something, you know, so. Mm. Nice. Okay. Great. Listen, we are running out of time, so I'm gonna, we're gonna, let's land this thing. Um, thank you for sharing all that. I know yep. that this is a, it's gonna be a vulnerable journey. You know, mm-hmm. sharing like what it's like, the sparkly, the, mm-hmm. the dark, whatever. Um, I appreciate your vulnerability and transparency yeah. on that. That's awesome. And also, just dude, I super respect and appreciate your journey. I think it's so fascinating to to just have been part of it in whatever grade that I got to Thank be, you. just yeah, to watch absolutely. like what you went through and. Yeah. Obviously, we have a lot of people in comments who are going to hear mm-hmm. from about you. I heard about you for a while before mm-hmm. we ever actually met, but um, it's so cool to see where you're at now and what's going on. So I know you've got some new stuff coming up, right? Like Adventure Challenge was this big, fun yeah. chapter, yeah. but you're, you know. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting to some other stuff. I love, I love teaching and inspiring entrepreneurs. I love getting people motivated to actually go out, take risks, and pursue their passions. Um, so I, I started this new podcast called The Fail Journal. And it's essentially a platform where I'm motivating people to actually see failure as something that leads them towards success instead of what opposes them mm. from success. And so um, it's, it's a platform. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's more of like a passion fun project than it is something that I'm hoping to make money from. Um, but so I'm starting that and then I'm getting back into my acting. I'm building a film studio with my brother and a few other friends and we're actually going to start producing our own stuff. Wow. And so those are some of the things we're actually, we're getting into building. And so I'm super excited for that season because it's going to be just really great. So how far away do you think that is before you're like filming? Um, f- we're planning to film this summer. Okay. Um, we're buying all the equipment in the next few weeks oh, wow. and we're going to film this summer. Um, but is that Best Buy with a shopping cart? No, it's, <laughs> I mean, you can't get this equipment at Best Buy. Yeah, no, it's other kinds of equipment. It's good. But yeah, so hopefully, hopefully this year we'll see some stuff. But That's awesome. the Fail Journal stuff will be released in the next few weeks, and you're actually on one of the episodes. Right. So, so how yeah. do they, do they just on all the platforms of podcasts? Yeah, they, it, it will be on every available platform. Nice. Eventually. So the, once, it, yeah, in the next week. Okay. I'm thinking the next week, the first episode will be. Released. So by the time this episode comes out, it's probably available. Yes, it'll be available. So they just look up the Fail Journal. The Fail Journal right? podcast. Yeah. The Fail Journal podcast. Okay, great. That's awesome. Do you have any like 
products or anything people like should be investing in or buying? I or? mean, yeah, you guys can go check out the Adventure Challenge books. Um, it's just theadventurechallenge.com. We have a book for couples, families, one for friends. We're coming out with a solo edition, self-discovery. What? Like emotional health. Whoa. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. So we're coming out with that one as well. Um, so yeah, you guys so can check the, those out. So theadventurechallenge.com. Theadventurechallenge.com. Great. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys go check it out. This thing's booming. Books mm-hmm. all over the planet. Oh my gosh, I just realized my roommate works for you. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously I knew that, but I'm yeah. just not realizing, like, he's right. That's so... Yeah, yeah that's... Anyway, you guys, these books I've heard are incredible. I haven't actually used one yet. I don't know what I'm... I'm, I'm I have I'm, a connection. I'm, I can, I'm all distracted I can get you by... one for, like, at least a 4% discount. Yeah. Um, I'm just realizing, like, I've never actually opened one of these books. What am I doing? I've bought them for people for their weddings and stuff, but... Have you really? Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'll just, like, awesome. groups of people just investing in a book. I'm like, hey, you that's know. awesome. Great. Um... That's funny. I should definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, dude, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. You guys, like, comment, subscribe. If you've got a review for us, we'd love to receive that. Um, also, one thing I want to throw in there, too, just to announce from my end of the world, uh, we, my team and I shot a course called Belong, and it was specifically geared toward people who are like leaders wanting to cultivate a specific atmosphere, and whether it's a team, a business, a home group, uh, family, whatever. If you've got a group of people that you're responsible for or you want to see go in a direction and build connection, this course is for you. It's me basically teaching on the infrastructure and like lessons that I've learned for the last several years of like leading people and creating atmosphere and culture. Um, and just teaching you the three main components of what I've found are necessary for any group of people to thrive in connection together. So um, you can check that out at... That's a go... I don't even know where to get this. Let's see. You can email us at contact at mikemyshow.com um, and just say belong course and my team will direct you to where that, wherever that is. I should have known that here. But um, we just released that a few weeks ago and um, I think it's going to be a big deal. So definitely check that out. That's something that um, is relevant to you guys. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.